Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Heyo! We welcome your ears back in to another TFA Dino Show. I'm Robbie Jeffries here with Tom Corson, as always. And Tom, this is our Jordan episode, episode 23. That means it has to be our greatest show of all time. Are you ready for that? Is the question of the day, is Jordan the GOAT? Well, I, I don't know. We could spend a while on that, or we, we couldn't. But what's up, Razor Robbie Ramon? How we, how we doing? I'm, I'm excited oh, I'm- to be back. I'm pumped up. Uh, I'm excited because, you know, we've hit on quarterbacks. We've hit on wide receivers and I'm always, you know, a running backs guy. I like, I like scouting them, film watching them. And so I'm pumped up for our guest who's going to help us kind of scratch that surface, get to the greatest show in the history of the TFA Dino show. We have none other than the Debbie Manual podcast co-host, Content and film extraordinaire for both Debbie Manuel on YouTube. Look him up. And he also is creating for the Dynasty Nerds. Wedding DJ extraordinaire. The Peebles champ. Dwight Peebles. Welcome in, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's a, that's a nice, nice intro, man. I need you to come be my hype man this summer for some weddings. So I, I like it. I need a hype man. If you can't tell, Dwight actually has a tiger sitting next to him. So it's, it's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking white tiger too so i mean rare good for you uh, that's well, what i call my penis so i'm just <laughs> oh wait i'm sorry oh wait are we is this a kid's show sorry my bad no no uh, i said fuck before you said penis so i guess it's fine oh okay Robbie, are you, tiger. you good Robbie? Yes. that won't make the top five worst things that that we've said on here and all four of them before that one have been said by tom so you're just you're just oh, adding yeah. to the leaderboard so yeah, so we're pumped to have have Dwight on. As I said before, he is you know a DJ. I, I would say in the nine to five, but really you're you're kind of DJing weekends, nights all over the place. And so you kind of prompted my question of the week for anyone who's listened to the Dino Show before. We love doing kind of a off football question of the week. And, and my question will start with you, Dwight. You know, what's uh, your top three songs to get people out onto the dance floor, get them moving and shaking? What do you got? Yeah, that, I had to think about this, man. I don't know. There's a couple that I think mean, one of the the big old classics, the big standbys, is definitely Whitney Houston's "I Want to Dance with Somebody." Mm. That one just, I mean, you come out of a slow set with that song, and I mean, you're gonna get like half the people in there. the The young kids know it. The old generation knows it. Can't go wrong with Whitney. A um, little bit newer, yeah, by Usher. I mean, that one just gets everybody going. I mean, that one's another one, and then. To go newer, newer, Uptown Funk is just like, those are all three, like, just classic wedding songs that the old people can tolerate, the young kids love. I mean, they, they just transcend all generations. So those are three that I could think of. Uh, September by Earth, Wind & Fire gets an honorary mention, too. That one's up there. So, yeah, probably those three are, like, big, just no matter what kind of crowd I've got, 
how old they are, you know, if it's a 40-year-old couple getting married, if it's a 20-year-old couple getting married, those are three that I can just, you know, they're going to get everybody on the dance floor. So, so we, we had a uh, new YMCA no matter what at our, at our wedding, and people kept on requesting YMCA, and my DJ was like, no, you got to go talk to the groom because he said if he plays it, I'm fired. Why? Nope. <laughs> What's your deal? I, I just I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, That's but, fine, man. I don't mind yeah, that. I mean, right? You think I, you think I want to hear YMCA every week, Love Shack oh. every week, Chicken Dance every week? I don't mind not playing them. So, so here here's an That's idea for you. And I'm no DJ. Um, do you have TikTok? Do you TikTok or anything? No, I'm 44. Right. So you would yeah. crush. <laughs> White would crush at TikTok. He would, but if you um, like figured, you could probably just Google it, like tiktok songs or something like that and just do it in like 15 second like clips at the end of the night when everybody's hammered or something like that you would just have shenanigans all over the place that's a really good idea actually i know someone's got a wedding coming up you might just incorporate that in you can do it as long as i get the credit just call it the uh, the the, the okay. course and remix or some shit whatever <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I've got a couple of songs to add as well. I don't know, Tom. Did you did you have any songs? I didn't. I uh, I only like to watch people dance at this point because I don't want to blow out a knee or a hip because I just are turned thirty nine. So it's it's fine. Are you not a dancer? You don't like to hit the dance floor? Listen, I I used to back in the day, but then I was like, you know what? It's it's a lot easier to just drink. Gosh, you turn thirty nine, you just act like you're eighty. Can't listen. Yeah, no, I've no. been thirty nine for two days now. And yep. I feel like I'm 86. I don't know how I'm alive. <laughs> so oh. you mentioned uh, one of the songs I had on my list, uh, YMCA, just an absolute classic. Uh, so that's one on my list. Honorable mention, you had Yeah by Usher, um, obviously a newer one, and Get Low by Lil John. You know, that's that's a little yeah. bit my middle school generation there. Uh, everyone kind of jammed to that song. But the number one song, do I tell me? If this doesn't get like every lady to the dance floor, Ignition Remix by R. Kelly. I feel like you play that song, they just come flocking to the dance floor for Ignition Remix. Uh, yeah, so yeah, definitely. Nope. That's definitely more of the older crowd. I, I think the the nineteen twenty year olds don't know it as well. Okay. I, I kind of have a I don't I don't play him because he's a fucking scumbag. But yep. um, like, he's out there peeing like on I just, people, so Dwight's not going to play his shit. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I don't tend to play that song, but it, it definitely is. Like if you get the like the thirty year olds, that's that was a huge song. Yeah, same with like Pony by Genuine. I mean that one will get <laughs> oh, yeah. all ladies all going crazy and yeah. So but there's a couple of those like you know sexual type songs that are kind of fun like. All right, ladies, you know, get out there and show the man what you got, you know. And... Do you do you ever play <laughs> so... any Salt and Pepper? Oh yeah, of course. You gotta play Push It and <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, salt and Pepper, Jesus. Well, I've had I have a couple of extra songs now to add to my wedding list, so thank you for that, gentlemen. But I think it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, the running backs. And, you know, Dwight, whenever we have somebody on, we want them to tell us kind of their process because everyone watches players a little bit differently. They, they look for different things, whether you're watching quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, running backs. And so when we're talking about this running back class, what are things that you look for specifically, like either traits or just things that guys do that you say, OK, this is what makes him a tier one guy or tier two guy for me? What are you looking for when you scout the running back class? 
Um, really, uh, one of the big things you watch for is how they how they create on their own. You know, like how they deal with situations where they're hitting the backfield. You know, or they're you know in a, against stacked boxes, things like that. I kind of have a different process. I tend to I like to watch a few games. You know, real lightly. You know, not like dive in real deep and like just like study and write notes. You know, I, I do a little couple notes here and there. And then I tend to read. I like to I like to read a lot about what other people see. You know, and kind of see if I'm seeing the same things. And then I just go through and I'll, I'll watch it a little more critically. Um, I like watching the uh, like just the way they move. Um, like like it goes back to the creating creating on their own. You know how they. They move in space. How quickly they change directions and, and maintain speed, you know, stuff like that. There's a lot of little things. Running back is, it's a lot of people think it's fun to watch, and it, and it is a lot of fun to watch. But it's also there's so many things to watch for. And I mean, like there's just you know, the vision, the patience. I mean, there's a thousand things to watch for when you're watching running backs. So, so you must be really into uh, when Graham Barfield comes out with his yards created content every single year because I know I absolutely love that one. Yep, that's definitely a good one. I, I kind of I haven't been much of an, an analytics guy in the past, but it's something I'm definitely starting to embrace more and more. I mean, you kind of have to these days. Um, I, I, I've always, I was kind of old school. Like, you know, you, you can't tell somebody that analytically what somebody's going to do from day to day. He's going to do what he does. You know, that was how I used to be. And like, you can, but it helps just, just predict things, you know, and it's, I'm starting to embrace it a little more. I, I'm still not, you know, I'm probably 70% tape, 30% analytics still. Like I'm still definitely, I, I like I like seeing what people can do, you know, against good defenses, things like that. So, yeah, it's just it's it's complicated, but yeah, it, it's a lot of fun too. So, I'm I'm with you 100 percent on on how you do it because it's the same thing when you have a combine. Uh, I feel like when you have combine stats or whatever, that makes you go back and watch somebody's tape a little bit closer if they run, you know, incredibly fast. Like Justin Jefferson last year ran a lot faster than we thought his play speed was in college. So then you go back, you watch him a little bit more, and you're like, well, maybe maybe not. I don't know. Um, but it's the same thing with analytics for me. I'll, I'll look at some analytical stats, and I'll go back and I'll watch the film a little bit closer because of what I see there. So I think if you're 100% tape or 100% analytics, you're not, you're not doing it right. It should be close to a split. I think 70-30 is it's a good spot to be, but – um, yeah, 60, 40, whatever. I'm good to go. Robbie, what about you? Yeah. I think the thing to note is like when you're talking analytics, like that can be anything, right? So you have to decide and, and try and figure out over time what analytics matter, right? Because I've seen so many things, you know, pop out for what matters <coughs> analytically, especially for wide receiver. I mean, that's a, that's an even bigger one running back as well, but there's just so many numbers people can throw at you. So you have to determine you know, at the end of the day, what matters for you? Because because I'm, I'm like Dwight, where I'm much more of a, a film person and I'm not a professional in any sense of the word when I say film watcher, but I like to see how they play, um, you know, and, and that's how I kind of make most of my determinations. And then the other stuff kind of bakes into the the entire cake, but, you know, it's it's not the, the, the main portion of it. So it's really what analytics you're bringing in and what matters um, is what I think is important. Yeah. And it's fun because there's no one right way to do it because everybody has their own process and everybody's going to have hits and everybody's going to have misses. 
Otherwise, somebody would be a GM and have Tom Brady in the first round or whatever. You know what I mean? So uh, that's the fun part about it is everybody has a different way of going about it and everybody's going to get stuff right and wrong. Yeah, and then that's exactly why we have Dwight on tonight because talk about somebody who has had hits at the running back position, I feel like year after year, um, Dwight's always got this guy that's lower ranked than everybody else, and and this guy ends up hitting or getting drafted higher. Um, so there's nobody else that I think I'd rather have on for this specific group. And so kind of diving into that, Dwight, what is your um, tiered or ranking system look like for this running back class as we sit right now? Um, I know it'll change as we get more information, pro days and the draft and all that, but as you sit right now, kind of give us a little bit of your, your tier ranking for these guys. Right, right. I mean, the, the top tier is I think pretty much everybody's locked into the top tier of Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. I, I don't think – I mean, there's some jostling amongst that tier. You know, pretty much every analyst has, I think, those guys as the top three. I mean, they're pretty much, you know, the only really – I want to say locked and loaded, but I think they definitely have the best shot of being, you know, three down guys, RB1s. You know, it's those three guys. So my second tier is Kenneth Gainwell – Michael Carter, Jamar Jefferson, and Kylan Hill. All guys that I think have, you know, like some potential to be a three-down back but have questions. Uh, landing spots, you know, is going to be huge for those guys. Draft capital, are they going to get the opportunity to play? You know, what type of team do they land on? Are they going to get a shot? Um, so those guys are more dependent on things like that. And then my third tier, <laughs> damn rabbit, is uh, Chuba Hubbard. <laughs> Trey Sermon and Ramondae St- Stevenson. Um, those guys are all that have shown flashes of being potential, really good three down backs, but just have have more questions, you know. So like my tiers just go down, you know. Like like tier twos, you got a couple questions. Tier three, there's definitely more, and then tier four are just probably more role players. Um, your Demetric Felton, Javion Hawkins, Jarrett Patterson, Khalil Herbert, and Larry Roundtree. All guys that, you know, you have a couple things that you like about them, but are probably just going to be depth guys in the NFL. So that's kind of where my tiers are. They probably won't move a whole lot um, unless somebody just lands on an absolute perfect situation. So those are kind of where I'm sitting with them. So. I think the only thing that we really see as a difference is some people kind of uh, bump Etienne out of that top tier. And then he's in like a tier of his own for tier two, as far as from what I've been seeing for analysts and everything like that. Um, or they have Daji in their own tier and Etienne and Javante uh, in, in tier two. But yeah, those three guys are without a doubt the top three, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, Tom, it's really interesting how you bring that up, because that is my kind of first question leading off with this first tier is uh, Etienne is, is a player where. I don't want to say super polarizing, but there's definitely people who have him RB1, and there's people that have him, like Tom said, in, in a tier below Najee for sure, and sometimes even below Javante uh, as well. Uh, so, so let's just start with him because I think he's kind of the most where people can be back and forth on him. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on him? Um, you don't have to, like, rank him against these other two, but just tell us what you like about him and then maybe some concerns of why some people might have him lower. Right. Yeah. Um, I kind of, it's almost prospect fatigue with him. I think with some people, he's been number one for so long, you know, that I think people have started to nitpick more and more. 
Um, they find little tiny things they don't like. I think he's going to be totally fine. I think he'll he would be he's going to be more effective in a team that runs like an outside zone. He's definitely a one cut gets upfield boy. He explodes when he go, when he gets upfield and he gets going the right direction. I mean his acceleration is the best in the class. I mean he he's worked on his pass catching. The things that people nitpick about that I that I see him you know all of a sudden we're you know, the lack of wiggle is an issue, you know, like he doesn't, he doesn't make people miss in the backfield. If he has to stop plant and he can't juke anybody, that's just not who he is. You know, he's, he's got to make that cut and go. And, and then, so, and there were some people, some that I caught, I hadn't noticed it as much when he ran, but he, he would kind of turn his back toward contact sometimes. Like he was bracing for a hit, which is a little concerning, you know, but I don't know if there was, an issue. Maybe he had hurt his ribs or something, you know, maybe I, I, you know, you don't know those types of things. So something to definitely be a little bit concerned about, but I, I'm not the least bit worried about him. I mean, he's in, insanely explosive, insanely fast. I mean, he's a, a threat to score every time he has the ball. So if, if he falls, I will be snapping him up everywhere unless he just ends up on a really bad team. You know, like it's, he, he may not get the workhorse role just because of, you know, the, the size and the speed and everything. He's he's not your typical workhorse back like Najee is. So, I mean, there may be a situation where he doesn't, you know, land in the greatest situation, but he's just, just a hell of a fun guy to watch. He's so explosive. So I don't have any concerns. Yeah, so one thing with Etienne that I really liked was you brought it up, his pass catching greatly improved this year. So he came back to school, and that was the one thing that I saw improve the most for him. I think his stock may – it's about the same as far as where he would have went in NFL drafts, in fantasy drafts, which is what we're talking about, a dynasty. It has dropped, which is kind of funny because he hasn't gotten worse. Um, but I understand the polarization there with him just because it's it, it's like you said, it's prospect fatigue. You see a guy so much and you're just you just find more things to nitpick, but – when you're describing him, the first thing that popped into my head was Jamal Charles as far as like being able to score. And that's not – I'm not comping him to Jamal Charles or anything like that, but he has that that breakaway speed. If you just watch a highlight tape of Travis Etienne, you're going to come away extremely impressed and he might be your, your RB1. Um, I have, you know, some s- slight concerns. Like you said, the wiggle, the lateral movement. But if he's a one-cut runner and he's in the right system, he's not necessarily going to need to uh, do all that. So – Robbie, what do you think? Yeah, I think the reason why you're seeing maybe him fall a little bit is is basically not anything that he's done, but it's what Najee was able to show going back uh, to school this last year. Um, you know, obviously was was pretty good. You know, in his um, the 2019 season, but then we just saw kind of this level up right in this 2020 season where he's he's showing that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's the guy. There's nobody else there. Um, he's kind of doing it all. And so, Dwight, like when you saw Najee in this 2020 season, um, you still have him in this tier with both Etienne and Javante. Um, you know, what what do you think he's kind of filled out? Do you think he's complete back, probably the first back off the board? Give me some thoughts on Najee. Yeah, he should be the first back taken. I think he's the most complete one. Um, I think probably the safest back. I mean, he's he's not going to be the sexiest, flashiest guy. I mean, he does, you know, he's he's got good functional power. He, you know, he can take on people. He can make people miss. He catches the ball. He blocks. He does every little thing you ask for him. I mean, he just does it all. Um, I have seen people that have knocked him down, and I 
don't know why. I mean, he, like I said, he's not the sexiest. He doesn't have like a like a ton of elite traits, I guess. But he's just really damn good, like at everything he does. And I, I would, I mean, you keep seeing him get back to the Steelers. Holy damn, would that be a great mix? I mean, like you can say it. Him, you can you can curse. Yeah, him it. on the if Steelers. Najee goes to the Steelers. You can you can say whatever you want. Yeah, My I would. I yeah, I, I, I would take him over. I mean, he'd be one hundred and one. I might even take him over Trevor Lawrence on the Superflex if he lands on the on the freaking Steelers. I mean, that's just like a, a beautiful spot. I won't, but <laughs> that is a really good spot. So, yeah. Um, so a team like that, he's just, he's a blue collar guy. So no off field concerns. No, I mean he's mature. He's just he's just good. <laughs> he's just damn good. I mean that's all. So yeah. So I, I think what's what's interesting with that is that. He, he's been here, right? Like he's uh, been at the top of this class. You know, we thought he maybe would come out last year, but once he came back, we're like, it's Najee and, and ETN. And then we have this third guy come in after the year he had with UNC, and that's Javante. You know, what did you see here in 2020 that really elevated him into this tier one? Because it's not all the time where you see someone just, just jump into this, this tier one with uh, two established names. <laughs> Cody said I'm only allowed to talk about Michael Carter. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> so we, we, patience, young Cody. We'll, we'll talk about Michael Carter in a minute. So just Javante, it's it's crazy. You, you did see a little bit of it in 2019. You know, you can see the just he has the that explosive ability as well. Is not quite as on the level of ETN, obviously. Um, the ability to make his contact balance is is ridiculous. Like he he, t- he just absorbs hits. And just keeps right on going, and he, and he accelerates really quick out of those hits. Um, pretty, pretty darn good catching the ball. He's he's not as smooth as some of the other guys in this class, but he's good enough to where he'll be, you know, great at the next level at it. I'm not worried at all about that. Um, yeah, just he he's been just what a, what an amazing meteoric rise. I mean, just I started noticing in like week one or two, like the first couple games, I'm like, whoa, who is this guy? You know, like I knew who he was, but. Just watching his ride, and just he does a lot of little things well too. So I I can't nitpick his game too much either. Uh, some people he, he's, you know, some people call him like more of a thunder to Michael Carter's lightning or other way around. I don't even know. I can't even classify them because he's he's strong enough to to play the hits, but he's also quick enough to be that lightning too. So it's hard for me to pigeonhole him in that type of role. So I think he'll be really good in the NFL as well. I don't think he's as, as dependent on landing spot as ETN maybe. I think he's probably a little he could probably fit in the different types of schemes, different more teams. So I think he's probably not as landing spot dependent as Najee is. Or as um as him and Najee are not landing spot dependent. That's what I mean. Yeah, there you go. ETN is definitely a little more. You know, he's gotta be on the right team, right scheme. So Javante, when you watch his, like you said, his contact balance, you're just like, oh, I'm, I was blown away when I first watched Najee, or um, Jesus, Najee, uh, Javante tape because he's just, he's stupid when he gets hit. It, it reminds you of like how Kamara would just roll out of the contact and you don't understand why he didn't go down and then he's still at full speed. Um, so that was the first thing I thought of when, when I was watching his tape. Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying. And, and what I see when I watch Javante is I think he just has a really smooth running style, right? Like he he is quick, but he's still strong, right? So 
when when you said someone mocked to the Steelers, I've seen Javante mock to the Steelers a lot, honestly. I've seen Najee go into the Jets, and I've seen Javante go into the Steelers, and I think that would be a great landing spot for him. You know, you said he's kind of a complete back. He can kind of go to any system, good with pass pro, can catch out of the backfield. Like we talk about all this strength and being power, a uh, powerful runner, good acceleration. Oh, he can also catch out of the backfield. So that's kind of like it's just checking a lot of boxes. That's why, you know, TFA's own Kev Steele is a big fan of him, has him running back one, because he just kind of does everything that you want out of a fantasy running back, and he does what coaches want, hang on to the football and can pass protect. So, yeah, that's that's probably why um, he, has, he has seen this rise into running back um, one territory, your tier one territory as well. So let's move to tier two. We've got uh, guys with maybe a little bit more questions. Can they do it all? Um We'll start with Kenneth Gainwell. I think we've seen him consensus-wise up in this top five, uh, maybe right below these top three guys. Guy out of Memphis, Tom, uh, you you were mentioning um, earlier, like Memphis, always kind of churning out these running backs. Let's go to you real quick, just what your thoughts are with Kenneth Gainwell, and then we'll pop it over to Dwight. You watch him. He's explosive. He's versatile. 191 pounds, slightly concerning. I don't know if he's going to be able to take a beating as an every down back, but uh, he's got the tools to, if he, if he has the physical toughness, what do you think about Kenneth Gainwell? Yeah, he's a guy that with, with, I'm hoping with this time off, he's taking some time to bulk up. I've said that hundred, if he has 20 pounds, I really, really love him in the next level. I don't want to say he's my guy, but he's, he's probably as close as it is in this class, you know, as the being my guy, I love, love, love Kenneth Gainwell. Um, despite the, I mean, he held off Antonio Gibson, and Antonio Gibson's my boy. So, um, <laughs> Gainwell, um, one of the more explosive backs in the class. He's incredibly dangerous in space. Um, you just want to see him add a little more weight. You know, add, be able to take the inside runs. You know, take the pounding up the middle. That's what we like to see from our running backs. Take a pounding up the middle, baby. So, um, yeah, you want to see that if he adds some weight. If he comes into his pro day at like two fifteen, two twenty. I mean, it's going to be hard to not get like crazy excited for his prospects at the next level. Cause he's got a couple of elite traits that could translate really well to the NFL. So just want to see him add a little more bulk. If he gets that type of weight, Dwight, cause I know there's always the, we want our running backs to be, you know, 200 plus. Do you, do you worry about the, the wiggle and his ability to move in space? If he adds all that weight or is that something you're not too concerned let, about? Let's just talk about Rojo. Cause Rojo did it. And he's a perfect example of, losing some explosiveness to, you know, gain some weight. I'm sorry, Dwight. I, I didn't mean it. I think I just no. killed Dwight. Dwight, are no, you okay? No, it's all right. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> is, is that, is that a good... Why do we bring up Rojo? No, yeah, yeah it, it's fine. I, I think he'll be fine. I mean, I don't think it'll... I think 20 pounds, if you do it the right way. Like I'm saying, he had a whole year off the train. I would think he did it the right way. I'd hope he didn't just do it like everybody else in America and sit on our couch and eat Twinkies for a year. <laughs> Hey, I gained twenty pounds. I weigh two twenty. Yeah, I got a beer gut at nineteen, but hey, what you know? So <laughs> I'm hoping he didn't do it the way the rest of America did. But uh, yeah, hopefully he did it right if he did it. So. He better be squatting Volkswagen Beetles. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we want a proper fifteen pounds, not the quarantine fifteen. Check. Yeah. All right, let's move over to Michael Carter. Uh, he is a guy that I'm very excited about. Uh, TFA's own Cordy Kutzer is even higher than I am on him. I think sometimes Dwight has to keep us in check in, in our chat that we have together on all the Michael Carter love. You know, what keeps him down here in tier two as opposed to being up there with his UNC running mate? 
Yeah, he's he's um I'm, I don't know if I'll, I'll temper you guys a whole lot. He he's my my five. Like I love Michael Carter a lot, um, but a lot of people don't think he has the because he's five nine five eight or five nine and only two hundred pounds. They worry about the size, but he's built really well. Like he's compact, powerful. I think he has the potential to be a really good back. Um, I hope he lands in the right system. This one is pretty landing spot dependent. I have a feeling someone's just going to put him on a team with someone else and just, you know, rotate him to death. And and we're never going to see, like, a three-down workhorse. And I don't like saying he's not a three-down guy because I think he is. He is an incredibly good pass catcher. I love his blocking. He I saw him in Senior Bowl just knocking people on their ass. Like, he is not afraid to hit people in the backfield for his size. He's tough. But saying he's a three-down back and being a workhorse are two different things. I think he will be on the field for three downs, but he's never going to be that guy that will handle 29, 30 carries or touches a game. Like, I think that's probably a little bit much for the 5'9", 200 pounds. Uh, that's definitely not something you want to ask him to do, but there's a lot of things he does well. Like I said, pass catching, he's tough, he's patient, he runs inside. Pretty damn good for a guy that size. And he use, he has his vision, he finds the lanes, and then he accelerates incredibly quickly when he finds a hole. Um, he's very soft hands, creates on his own. There's just a lot to love about him. I'm not going to temper you guys' expectations and your love for him a whole lot. I do like him a lot as well, but I think there is a caveat that I don't think he's going to be like an RB1 because I don't think he can handle that type of workload. But he can still be like a really solid RB2. It sounds like you just described Austin Eckler, sir. Yeah, kind of. He's a little more lunch pale than Eckler, but yeah. I can see that type of role. You have the size concerns. Everybody always has it. And then you put him in the right offense. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And that's when they actually take off. So, um, And that gets me to another thing. With, this, with these tiers, if you really like a guy, don't just get down on that player because they went to a shitty landing spot at the time. Because coaches get fired every single year. Injuries happen every single year and running backs constantly rise up and get that opportunity. So if you grade a running back out higher than the consensus, just take them a little bit higher and just have patience with them because they, they might pay off. And if they don't, then whatever. I mean, it's dynasty, man. That's what happens. Yeah. That's such a great point. Um, I, I know that, that we talk about that all the time, Tom, uh, be patient. It is dynasty for a reason. Some of these guys might not hit uh, your first half of the season. It might take a full season sometimes. Um, so if you enjoyed a, a guy analytically or, or through film, give him the time, uh, have patience with him. Going on to the next guy, Jamar Jefferson. Dwight, when I watch his tape, I swear, like there's not a ton out there on YouTube. So one of them was you, yours with the Debbie manual, but he takes it to the house. I think on the first carry of every tape I've watched against Oregon, he takes it to the house first carry against Cali takes it to the house first carry. Is this guy just a, a take it to the house right away kind of guy? Give me your thoughts on, on Jamar. Yeah, I wish I could find more too. Like J Mike was saying something about him and I, I tried to find more games to cut for him. And it's like, 
I don't know if it's just too far out west for people with cameras. I don't. I don't know, man. But I'm like, where, where the hell are these games? Like, come on now. Uh, like, like I, I know they're at one o'clock in the morning typically, but come on. Um, so, yeah, he is incredibly explosive. Like, I'm gonna put him in. I like putting him and, and Kylan Hill in the same category. Both of them are incredibly explosive. Very good in space. You know, can have the ability to take the ball to the, every time they touch it to the house. Both have, you know, pretty good agility, lateral agility, both smooth pass catchers. Both have a shot, I think, of being – these are the other two that are kind of like wild cards that could, if they like if everything fell right and a team took them in the third round and they didn't have much else behind them, they could potentially be a three-down back, you know, like, a, like an RB2 possibly. You know, there's things that you like about their games. So both of those guys are – that's why I put them in the second tier. I think – there's a little less question marks than the ones down below, but I like both of those guys. They're not exactly the same, obviously, but they have some of the same traits that, that I really like. So, Yeah, when you say explosive, that's what I see when I watch him. It's kind of interesting because you watch him play, and then you see that he's 215 pounds, and you're like, man, he plays like he's 200 pounds, but then he goes and delivers. Like I say that in a good way. He's quick like he's you know around 200 but then he, he's not afraid to lower the boom sometimes uh, and go into people. So I think that's what's interesting. Uh, the one difference, I think, with the two players you mentioned there um, between him and Kylan Hill is, is maybe the pass catching a little bit, and, and maybe that's the transition to Kylan Hill because I think that's something that he excels at and maybe showed a little bit more than Jamar. Um, what are you seeing with Kylan Hill that you really like? Yeah, like you you'd mentioned, he well, he the only thing he had to answer this year was pass catching. Like he was, he's a good inside runner, good outside runner. You know, he makes good decisions with the ball in his hands. And then this year he goes and catches 25 passes in three games. And you're like, holy shit. And then he <laughs> opts out. <laughs> so you're like, well, man, why couldn't we have seen more of that? You know, that was one thing we wanted to answer. Was, he was, he did. He, catch he the kept ball? his average. He's like, he's like, yeah, I can catch the ball. And then he opts out. So. I mean, he's just, yeah, like he's, there's a lot to like about his game as well. Like you said, they are a little bit different. Um, Hill runs inside better, you know, is more of a complete vision. You know, he, he kind of does that. I, I didn't see the as much of the good vision as Jamar, with Jamar, but he definitely makes good decisions as well. So, yeah, like both of those guys quite a bit, and both of them have a shot. So, I think Kylan's another guy with, you know, prospect fatigue because I loved him as a sophomore. I thought what he did as a junior was good. And then by the time he was a senior and he decided to go back, we had COVID and people just got bored and they got mono or whatever it is that they got. So it's just, I think that's a really good point with Kylan Hill. So if you liked Kylan Hill before, then just go back and, and watch a little bit more. So we talked about your tier one and tier two guys, and, and I should have done this after the tier one guys, but we're talking about a tough class to follow in, in the 2020 class, right? And so we have this 2021 class that I think is pretty good with the names that you just said. I kind of like all these guys a little bit uh, more or less on some of the guys. But when you when you have the 2020 class as prospects, are there guys from this class and the guys that we've named so far that kind of fit in that that mesh of the top guys? I mean, we're talking uh, Akers, uh, Swift, Dobbins. I think those are kind of the consensus three. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a little bit farther down. Don't don't, for, don't forget about the RB ones. So. Oh yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, there's there's so many that you know you always forget one, right? And so I'm forgetting. It, it was really you know Swift and Taylor, Dobbins, Acres, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire kind of came in as running back five. Now this is before landing spot. This is before all of 
uh, the hoopla went to was drafted for first round by the Chiefs. Do you have Najee and, and Etienne and Javante up there? Are they kind of all below? Where do you have them in comparison to that class? Um, this is off the top of my head, so I'm just kind of kind of spitballing here. Um, I would go JT and Swift ahead of both of any of these guys. Um, probably Harris, um, Acres, then probably Etn. Etn's Clyde Edwards Hilaire, um, Javante Williams, Dobbins. I think you could put all those all like in a tier. But I think JT and Swift are, are like for me the top tier. And then I'd put Harris and Acres and yeah, maybe Etn in there. But then the rest of them down the next one down. They're it's hard to say where they would have went if they would have come out last year because I think Harris would have probably been third round last year, just the way that they all shook out. Yep. And I think Etn would have probably been second, maybe third. You know, based on what we knew last year. So I think both of them made a good decision by coming out, but I still think both of them will probably late first, early second this year. So, but I like JT and Swift more than any of the guys in this class, and then it kind of becomes a mishmash, you know, down below that. So, so last pod we had Angelo on, we talked about wide receivers, and and he talked about the uh, the head of the sports science department down there in Alabama. Um, going there. It was a different guy. I forget the name off the top of my head, but he said essentially that's what unlocked Najee um, with flexibility and doing some of the little things. And this year we saw a different Najee than we did uh, the last couple of years. Granted, he didn't have <clears throat> as much competition there, but at the same time, it it was a different running back in my opinion, just really subtle things that he did. So he made a fantastic decision going back to school as opposed to somebody like uh, Robbie's going to love it. Chuba, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. I always like to fuck up the name. So um, I feel like that's a pretty good transition onto our tier three there. Like Najee just blew it out of the water. And then Chuba, like what happened to him? Like what's the biggest difference between last year and this year that we saw? I think this year we saw the uh, the offensive line was was bad, like in rough shape this year. Um, he was getting hit a lot in the backfield. I'm not a Hubbard fan overall, like even before this year. I wasn't much of one. I think he's a little too reliant on the big play. I'm, I don't think his vision's that good. Um, I just don't like his decision-making. I know he had a, almost 2,000 yards last year. I think he might have even had more than 2,000. Um, but he just... You know, there'd just be like six, seven runs in a row of like negative one yard, one yard, two yards. And then you hit a 90-yarder, you know? So, like, you just – he's incredibly fast. You sound <laughs> incredibly, like you, you, sound like you fast. hate him and you want to punch him in the face. Yeah, like, I just – Like, he goes out and he has like – like him. Yeah. He has 18 credit cards and you just want to give him advice. Like, don't get in debt. I don't understand what you're doing. Right? Right. Life but the thing advice. is, though, if he's – if he falls to the late second, early third in the rookie drafts, I'll take him. Yeah. I mean, there's he's always got... a price point. That's another thing. You can hate a guy, but there's always yeah. got to be a drop dead value point for somebody. Yeah, he could prove to be a screaming value. So, yeah. I mean, he landed in the right situation, the right draft capital. You never know. But I just, I'm not a big fan of Chuba. This sounds like it might be the, the doghouse tier for Dwight. Um, we'll see if that trend continues going on to Trey Sermon, who's a guy that I, I kind of advocate for a little bit when I turn on the tape for him. 
obviously not the most consistent uh, of a collegiate career. Um, going from Oklahoma to Ohio State, lost the job at, at Oklahoma. And, and what I like about him is that when you see him at his best, he, he can compare to everybody else in this class. Like when he's at – his highs are extremely high. Um, I think I'd compare him with the rest of the top backs in this class. Maybe not the most consistent. Is that what keeps him here in Tier 3 for you, or what are your thoughts on Sermon? He's from Ohio State. I don't like him. <laughs> uh, there it is. That's that's it. That's no. That's the tweet. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. No, I hate Ohio State. Man. Uh, Michigan, we can't stand Ohio State. Um, <laughs> no. I, I, the, the consistency. You hit right on it. You know, why has he not been better over his career? You know, there's been so many times where just he just looked like poop. Like, honestly, he. I think he's pretty smooth. <laughs> poop. Yeah. He, he's smooth as a pass catcher, and he's decent. Sorry, I was, I was if you give him a big hole, drop me with poop. <laughs> exactly, we've been swearing like crazy. Poop. He looks like poop. Yes, um, I just don't think he's elite in anything. Like I just think he's just kind of meh. Like he might be an all right, you know, serviceable fill-in backup, you know, roles here and there. I just don't think he's that good. He, despite that little look thing he did up at the camera, which I thought was the coolest thing ever um, during that playoff game but yeah other than that i'm just just not a fan i just think he's just too inconsistent i I just like you said he's got his highs that's for sure so yeah just just to kind of do a little back and forth on him you know i I think he does have pretty good acceleration um you know when he his, his vision can be inconsistent at times but i think he also knows how to set up um his blockers at times and and when he hits the hole i think he's just going like um, he'll drag guys for a couple of yards. He runs hard. It's kind of like a, a thunder. We talked about the thunder and lightning earlier. I think he can bring the thunder on some guys. Um, I think we saw that specifically in the game against Clemson and before that in the game against Northwestern. Obviously, two of the games, if you're looking at the, the best side of Trey Sermon, you see those pop out. Um, and, and I'd say Northwestern's defense is kind of one of the better defenses that uh, he faced that year. So, I don't know. He's just a guy that I think when – when you put it all together and when he's doing things properly, he, he does have kind of, um, you know, top end type of, of talent when um, maybe not the, the long speed is an elite, but I don't know when he gets out in space, I think he can get out and, and make people miss and, and drag people. Um, so yeah, he, he's just a guy that I think has a, a little bit of wiggle and a little bit of uh, power to him, but yeah, not everybody's cup of tea. It sounds like this, this tier for you maybe isn't the cup of tea. Is that kind of the same with Ramonde Stevenson as well? No, see, I actually like Ramonde. I just have a lot of questions. You know, he's got he's six foot two twenty. I like seeing him lean down a little bit. And for the, as big as he is and as powerful as he has, tremendous feet. Like he, his footwork is is ridiculous. I just there just wasn't much to see in college. You know, so I can't justify putting him any higher. I mean, he's just in this lots of questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could end up, you know, second, third round and really be a good running back. It's just I'm not going to take too high of a risk on him in rookie drafts, although I don't think you're going to have to. I think he should probably fall later in the second. Um, maybe I don't know if he'll make it to the third. He's, some people really, you know, he's got a little bit of buzz around his name, but I, I, I definitely don't dislike him. But I just have a lot of questions. That's all. 
All right, well, let's move to tier four. Now, these are guys that, I'll be honest, I haven't dug in more than just maybe a tape or two on each of them. So let's just kind of go open uh, table, open forum, all a cart style. Dwight, you pick one of these guys, maybe your favorite guy from this range. Tell us what you like about him and what it will take for them to jump up into the, some of these upper tiers for you. I think my favorite one in the tier is Jarrett Patterson. Um, I watch so much of him. Like, I just – I. I He's a guy that I probably have unrealistic hopes for. I, I put that in my notes. Um, <laughs> I just i I know what he's going to be. the The competition, you know, it's it's always the competition. His size. He's also five nine, one ninety five, but he is incredibly patient, shifty. His feet are always moving. He's so much fun to watch. He's got great vision. He's he's good running inside, good running outside. You know, he's got enough speed to break. You know, decent decent long runs. I don't think he'll run as as many big runs as he did in college, just because of the competition he faced in the MAC. You know, and the the MAC run defenses are horrible. I mean, he I think he had in college he had several times where he gouged Kent State for like three hundred yards, like just because their running defense is that damn bad. So, um, so he's got a lot of questions. Just a guy I'm rooting for. I mean, I, I don't have expectations that he's going to be a, a running back in the NFL that's going to even see you know any sort of role you know where he'll be a viable fantasy producer he'll just be like a depth guy who might fill in you know here and there i you know i don't i can't think of a good comparison for him um i don't think he has a good frame to add a whole lot more weight i think he's you know, he's built pretty well for his size and i think he's kind of where he's at and i you know he didn't really show anything as a pass catcher either so that's obviously a big knot going into the nfl so what about uh, Khalil Herbert? So, you know, he has his time at the uh, powerhouse of, of Kansas uh, we have here. Um, but then he transfers, gets out of there, has a pretty solid season. You know, what are your thoughts with him? A little bit older um, of a prospect, but is he someone that can maybe jump up um, into tier three for you? He'll, I think he'll have a role too. I mean, we saw it this year, how good he could be. Um, he is, he's also another guy who's really, really good with pass catching. Um very good in space. Um, didn't see very much as far as vision, things like that. But he runs through contact pretty well. Uh, just, yeah, not overwhelming. He had a couple of really, really amazing games where you're like, wow. But then you watch it a little closer. And, you know, and they were running this insane rushing attack. that had, like, the the quarterback was running. They had another, another running back that didn't, you know, they were running like this, I don't know what the heck, sort of almost like a wishbone, kind of like Navy runs, you know, just running backs, quarterbacks everywhere. Some of it's probably that system that kind of glorified him a little bit. He is older, obviously, like you said. And you got to take him a tick down for going to Kansas as well. So, anyways, <laughs> that's all. So, what you're saying is they were running the Veer from uh... – 1922 something like it like a wing teat no they had they had wide receivers and stuff like that it's just kind of a crazy it's it's you watch the offense and you're like i don't know how defenses can defend it was kind of crazy watching them try to defend it you know and not knowing where not to detract from what herbert did he had a really good season and there are some things to like about him but i just don't see him having anything other than just like a a third down back type of role here and there so gotta love the triple option oh yeah <laughs> So let's travel down I-80 a little bit east uh, to get to Columbia, Missouri. Talk about Larry Roundtree. You know, uh, I think he's somebody that, that had ups and downs at Mizzou. You know, what are your thoughts with him? Yeah, Brandon Lejeune is really high on him, and I don't see a lot of the things that he sees, I guess. I think he's a good athlete. 
Um, strong, he's a strong runner, runs through contact. You know, he's he's he can run like a bull at times. Not particularly elusive, you know, doesn't have a lot of tunnel wiggle or things like that. Just definitely another like lunch pail type of guy um, who doesn't have any elite traits. Like I didn't see anything elite that stood out, but he could be like a really solid, you know, fill in goal line type of back. I, I just not, I wasn't overly impressed with him when I watched him. Just he'll yeah. find us, he'll find a spot. You're not targeting him is what it sounds like. Oh. A guy a guy from this tier that I, I think just is, intrigues me, especially when we're talking about PPR leagues, is Dimitri Felton. Um, you know, he had 55 receptions 2019, I think it was. Didn't have quite as many this last year. But, you know, as a guy that can get out and catch the ball, maybe be a little bit more of a flanker type of guy, not just a, a running back, um, is he somebody that we can see maybe has some some dynasty fantasy value? He he could uh, him. I put Hawkins in the same category as Felton. Um, Felton, you saw you saw him used more as a wide receiver at times, and I really like that. They tried this year to run him a couple times. There's a couple games where he had 30 carries, and I just it just they were really hard to watch. Like he just he doesn't have the capacity to make a lot of people miss, especially as a, as a running back. You know, like if you get him out toward the edge, he there were times where he just made these crazy good runs. Like you'd watch his cutting ability. Um, he, he doesn't lose speed when he cuts, you know, and he's he's really s- kind of pretty fluid, I guess, is that probably the best way to say it. So he, he could be a guy that kind of, like you said, does that, goes out, lines out in the slot, you know, kind of moves all over. You know, he, there can be a role for him in that spot, and I think Hawkins is will fall into the same spot. Hawkins, for a different reason, incredibly electric, fast guy, just really, really insanely fast. But he's like 5'9", 190, and he's a smaller guy, so... Hawkins is a guy I loved watching in Louisville. Like he was just so much fun to watch, but I can't see that skill set translating a lot to the NFL. Um, just incredibly explosive, but you know, not really much as far as like patience, vision, things like that. You know, and not not cannot pass block for the life of him. You know, so definitely not going to fill like a three down role because of that. So, all right, Tom, any thoughts on any of these guys or anybody that we haven't said? Or do you want to jump into lightning round? No, let's go lightning round, bro. All right. I'll let you take it. All right. So this is something we're doing with uh, – we do with wide receivers last week with Angelo. It's a fun little thing. Um, we threw in a caveat, which is you cannot use the same running back twice. All right? All right. Okay. Best, best in the class at each category. Uh, best functional strength. I think it's got to be Najee. So – that's All right, best, not, we've explained it. Yeah. Yep. Best pass catching back. I think it's Kenneth Gainwell, actually. Best acceleration. ETN, not even close. Yeah. All right. Contact balance. That's I put Javante Williams there. Yeah, that, that was an easy one. <laughs> We're giving you some layups. Vision. <laughs> I put Michael Carter for that one because of what's left. I think he, he might actually have the best vision anyways. So. Okay. Fastest guy. Chuba. Got to be Chuba. Chuba, and uh, if we if you could use another guy, would it would be Etn? Yeah, definitely Etn. So is he going to get our best 40, 40 time? Yeah, probably. Okay. I mean, he'll 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 have he has that acceleration, which helps. You know, gets yeah. up to top speed really really quickly. So he should have a. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good at that stuff. I would imagine a high four three, maybe low four four. Four okay. four one for Puka today. 
four for Who? one for Puka on that. Uh, <laughs> started. Who? Uh, yeah, Robbie had the Robbie had the stat the stopwatch going on there. Um, you all right. It. So we're gonna go most likely to have a J Rob like impact there. That's you know a guy who's sixth round, fifth round later on UDFA, what have you. It sounds like you want to say Jared Patterson based on what you said before. Yeah, probably Patterson. Yeah. I totally just I, – I, I was the teacher just looking at your face like, I'm going to help you. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I'm missing someone. I can't think of any other guy that had like a small scout, small school, not getting much of a name for himself. Yeah, it's it's got to be Patterson. Yeah. yeah, so we don't name Trey Sermon for anything. We don't have uh, Kylan Hill or Jamar for anything. Okay. All right. I like it. Love it. So, Dwight, you kind of said this earlier – when you were talking about Gainwell, it sounds like maybe he's your guy out of this class. Uh, maybe just so we can hit it for everybody listening. Cause I, again, I want it. Nobody was talking about Antonio Gibson the way you were coming into this last year. Um, is, is Gainwell your guy for this year or, or do you like somebody else? Or maybe you don't even have to have somebody that you like to that level, but if you did have somebody who is that. Yeah, he, he's as close as it gets for me. Like I'm, this this running back class is. I mean, you guys have seen it and heard it. It's the top three, and then a bunch of just questions, you know. And I, I think he's got. He, he doesn't have as many questions, I don't think, other than just the size. And that's something that if he took this year off and did not address, then I have then he's dead to me, basically. <laughs> I mean, you take a year off to prepare, and everybody is saying one thing. And you don't freaking address it, then see ya. I, I mean, what the hell? I mean, you know, you just you want to see him at least address it, you know. So, so uh, that's pretty much what everybody was saying. You know, you yeah. needed to add some, add some weight, add some mass. So, yeah. so Kenneth Gainwell, he's your RB four. What's the earliest you're taking him in a superflex league? Probably mid second. He's just a guy that I think. There's just there's between the top quarterbacks and the and like seven wide receivers. I mean. I think you've got, you know, at least three, maybe four quarterbacks and probably six wide receivers that I would take before Gainwell. So. And a, couple, yeah, and a just, tight end, right? Oh, a couple tight ends, yeah. yeah. I don't know that either. Yeah. Jeez. Go to the Fryer, so, man. The Fryer move, man. I love Fryer move, man. Me but too, he, I think man. he also. He's going to take a couple years, I have a feeling, and he'll be kind of quiet for the first couple years. So if you want the instant impact, I don't think it's going to be him. And he's so valuable as a blocker, too. So it's just I don't think he's going to be as gaudy statistically. Um, Definitely one of those guys that could easily have six, seven touchdowns, though, you know, without even blinking because he's so good in the red zone. Oh, he's violent. He's so violent. And you know how I I love love violence. Mm-hmm. There is a little sneak preview into our tight ends rookie preview coming up. So we like that. Hey, uh, Dwight, we really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. Um, you know, like I've said a, a million times already, we, we like how you're able to kind of dissect it and pick out these little guys that, you know, maybe other people aren't uh, seeing or having at the top of the class. So that's something that I personally appreciate. You know, tell us a little bit about Debbie Manuel what projects or episodes or things you got coming out either on the YouTube side or on the pod side. Yeah. I'm kind of bouncing all over these days. It feels like I I have my hand in a bunch of different pots and I don't know which, which way I want to go half the days. So I'm always, always doing something. So yeah, we're trying to get some more videos on the Debbie manual YouTube channel. I just recorded another, we're trying to record every week on that and get people ready for their Debbie drafts that are coming up. 
Um, writing some with the nerds, still pumping out rookie profiles and trying to keep that thing going and uh, hopefully going to and have some more Campus to Canton stuff on Dynasty Nerds. I'm leading up the charge there, but we haven't gotten too far on it yet. So hoping to get some more of that type of stuff on there, like CDC ADP and some more articles, you know, getting ready to... I think CDC seems like it's really, you know, gaining in popularity. You know, it kind of... As you start to dabble in Devi, it's like the next, you know, logical step. So, yeah, I think it's... I think we're going to do a pipeline league coming up here pretty soon, which is like a... I guess it's a nice... Little... It's a different spin, yeah. I was in yeah. one and didn't particularly like it. A little I haven't too... done it yet, so... I'm a little too restrictive. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I like to let my balls have... roam free. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you're, <laughs> you're in a super flex league or something like that, and the 101 is Mahomes, and the 102 is Alabama. I know, it's, like, it's that's... crazy. <laughs> it's something I did one last get... year. I, I had one last one. year, and people were we had like a thousand dollar budget, and people were spending like eight nine hundred dollars on LSU and Alabama, and I'm like, holy crap! Like, what if Saban dies next year? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Well, that's it, that's another thing with like a pipeline league or something. You're like, okay, you're you're looking at if you're Florida State a couple years ago, and the next thing you know, Jimbo leaves for Texas A&M, you are dead ass in the yep. water for a bit. So yeah. it's it's a different spin. So I'm interested to do it just to. Yeah, get the I mean, yeah, some people that. absolutely love it. So I'm not ever going to tell anybody not to try something, but it just wasn't for me. So. All right, so I'm not doing it anymore, Robbie. <laughs> try everything once, Tom. Try everything once. Not everything, Robbie. Not everything. Almost everything. All right, hey, that's going to wrap us up for the Jordan episode, episode 23 of the TFA Dino Show. Dwight, thanks for jumping on. You can find him at FF Peoples Champ on Twitter. He is the host of the Debbie Manual. You can find his work there at Debbie Manual on YouTube as well. Um, Tom, you'll find him rocking it on the Twitter at Dynasty Infidel. I am at NFL Robbie. Until next time, see you. <laughs> One day when the tongue is done, we'll take our leave and go. Soon may the old man come to bring us guarantee and rum. One day when the tongue is done, we'll take our leave and go. He had not been two weeks from shore and down on our right whale well, board. The captain called all hands on shore. He'd take that whale and go. Soon may the old man come to bring us guarantee and rum.